0: Two individuals who I came across their work as part of firefighter wellness pros. Megan is a registered dietitian and personal trainer with a masters in sports nutrition. While a civilian, Megan has strived to understand the challenges firefighters face when trying to stay healthy. She has trained for and passed CPAT, completed a 24 hour ride along and is involved in fire recruit training and nutrition. Megan also provides healthy dinner demonstrations, nutrition roundtables, workouts and mobility sessions to career firefighters out in the field. Megan's mission is to help firefighters perform better, Recover faster and live longer. Maureen has served as a registered dietitian for over 25 years and a full time firefighter or paramedic for 20 years. While serving as a firefighter, she's the director of nutrition at Barwis Methods Training Facility in Plymouth, Michigan, and served three seasons as team dietitian for the New York Mets baseball organization. An accomplished athlete, Maureen understands the importance of soul nutrition for optimum performance. She was selected as one of four women in the United States to represent brawny paper towels, strength has no gender campaign, and was featured in Crane's business magazine. Maureen's passion for nutrition and fitness and the many athletes, coaches, mentors, and colleagues she's met along the way inspired to share her love for healthy food and insights to help others succeed. In this episode, Megan and Maureen talk about an overview of their roles as dietitians within a fire department, their individual philosophies around nutrition, the biggest health challenges faced by firefighters, the impact they have made in their individual departments and how they see the role of dietitians and fire departments developing over the next five to 10 years. I was going to say then, um, Megan, for you, if it's a case of, you know, logistically, how's a how's a run for you then? If you've gone around and you know, measured um, guys, body fats at the station, someone's turned around and be like, Ooh, actually that's a bit higher than I expected. It would be, you know, what, what's the next step? So they book an appointment with you personally, or, you know, do you say like, look, this is my office hours, come see me during these times or whatever.
1: So I really believe on like a boots on the ground approach where like they're not probably gonna drive out to the middle of the county to come see me if we've got stations 45 minutes away. So I'd rather drive there and show up, you know. Um, so that's been a big part. I feel like of my success is having someone who just shows up for you. Um, sometimes they'll say, yeah, I want to do health coaching and that doesn't cost them a thing. We'll do it on the phone. We'll do it on zoom. I'll come out to the station, hit a, um, get a couple people, you know, in one fell swoop. Um, I also offer, you know, circuits, like I'll go out and do workouts or mobility demonstrations. So bringing the foam rollers out. And I think one of the big things is if you can get them to stop hurting, cause they're all, they've all been injured at one point. Mm-hmm. or there's a muscle that doesn't feel quite right or you know their form's really bad so if I can get their lower back their knee their shoulder hurt a little less they're gonna start buying in whether that's from the fitness perspective or the nutritions perspective um, or they'll ask me questions while we're doing the demo so um you know I kind of do a lot of different things and I wear a lot of different hats but it keeps them coming back with different types of questions and addressing that whole wellness
2: perspective.
0: Good afternoon, Megan and Maureen, and welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us.
0: No worries. Thank you very much, ladies. Um, I know you guys have both got uh, an interesting story to tell, and you've got a good background within the fire services from both your individual angles. So I was really, really keen to get you both on after I saw some of the work you were doing with the net and um, and just really pick your brains on you know what you've done in your, your individual departments and um, for both you guys then for anyone who hasn't come across you in your work you just give us a bit of an overview of you know your career where you started out and where you're currently at uh with that can we probably kick off with you megan
1: sure um so my name is megan Louts. i'm a registered dietitian um personal trainer and TSAC facilitator and um started in corporate wellness fell into a position with um, an ACHMED group in Maryland and, um, you know, fell into fire and police, a um, little bit of corrections So um, it's really kicked off since I've been there for the past few years. And um, really what I'm here to do is to get firefighters to perform better, recover faster, um, and enjoy long and healthy retirements because that's, you know, the most important thing, right?
0: <laughs> nice, nice. And what about yourself, Mo?
2: Uh, So I've been a firefighter for over, uh, let's see, 22 years. And I've also been, or I was originally a dietitian and still am a dietitian. Um, I practiced for a few years in clinical nutrition um, and then decided to make a career switch, uh, became a firefighter paramedic. um, And I've worked for Canton Township, which is in Michigan for like I said over 20 years. Um, A few years back, I would say maybe six or seven years ago, I decided to kind of resubmerge myself in nutrition. Um, I had changed up kind of the way I was training um, and I started to train at a facility that didn't have a dietitian on staff. So it was really fortunate that I was able to um, work with some really great athletes and also kind of submerge myself into uh, working with some professional athletes, um, which led me to the job with the New York Mets. So I served as the uh, performance dietitian with the New York Mets for the past three seasons. Um, and with that platform was able to really kind of make an impact also in the fire service. So fortunately, I feel like once I got that job with the Mets, even my own department was willing to listen to me at some point about nutrition. Finally, I got some buy-in. And um, so I've been working with some of the local academies and local departments uh, to really kind of educate uh, firefighters that they are athletes and that they should treat their bodies as athletes. And so my message with nutrition has really been, to um, improve not only longevity in the career, but also much like Megan, really trying to educate so that we can enjoy our retirement. We work a long career, and a lot of times we have a lot of things that are stacked up against us with the career, whether it's stress, um, you know, just the nature of the job. And so I think nutrition plays a really important role in that. So I've been able to merge the two with working with professional athletes and with uh, police and firefighters on the nutrition point of things.
0: That's really cool. That's really cool. And what was it that made you want to make that uh, that career shift you said earlier on from the nutrition side of things into working in the fire service?
2: Well, I think um, I kind of, I'm an older dietitian. So I felt like I had to pay my dues and work in a hospital for a while. And that really wasn't my niche of where I wanted Mm -hmm. to be. I've always been an athlete. And so I think had I gone into sports nutrition originally, maybe I wouldn't have made the switch. I'm not sure. Um, But I miss being a part of a team. And so the fire service or really any, you know, tactical. Um, aspect of a job is going to have that teamwork and camaraderie so that's really what I missed and that was what was most attractive to me with the fire service and also just helping people so you're still able to make a difference in people's lives uh, just a little bit differently than working in a in a hospital as a clinical dietitian so it was a really good career switch for me.
0: Cool what about yourself Megan obviously you're saying you're working a little bit of corporate and then you had the opportunity to go and work more with you know, the tactical side of things with like your police, your corrections, your firefighters as well. Did, uh, is that something you actively sought out Did that opportunity just present itself and you just ran with it?
1: Yeah, I kind of just literally felt like, um, so I originally had worked for a defense, a large defense contractor in wellness. And when that contract was unfortunately cut, um, you know, I was, desperate to not sit behind a desk anymore. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I had a position, was like, oh, it's a wellness job, like at an ACHMED clinic, maybe you'll do some public safety. Like I had no idea what I was getting into. I was just like, get me out of the desk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, started, uh, I did the CPAT, you know, I, I did all my ride-alongs, 24-hour ride-alongs um and it just stuck it went it was a good fit and you know ever since i've been really involved so it's a good parallel to sports nutrition and corporate wellness which is the two things that i do best at mm-hmm. so um yeah i i really enjoy it
0: nice that's awesome now i was going to ask you guys just with regards to your roles as dietitians and just like the the subtle differences between both of you guys cuz obviously megan your civilian working within uh, the fire department, whereas Mo, you are a firefighter within the department as well. So, is there any real differences with regards to just your delivery and you know how you go about your job and you know working with firefighters?
2: I think um, I think one of the really great things that Megan has done is obviously she's submerged herself in the environment. I think that's important because I think the fire service or or military um, police officers they want people who know the job. And so when you have outside instructors that come in, uh, they judge you immediately. Okay. They wanna know your background, like how do you know what we go through and what our lives are like here at the station, blah, blah, blah. So I think that um, I fortunately have buy-in because I am a firefighter and I see it. Although in my own department it's a challenge because I am who I am and you know people don't always wanna listen to the, I don't know, the old lady on the department. Um, so I do have a lot of success in outside departments, because I'm not, it's not not speaking to your peers. Um, but I just feel like getting buy-in is so challenging in this profession, um, in the public safety profession. So as much as um, you can be a part of the group, submerge yourself in the environment, you get that buy-in. And that's really important if you want people to listen to you. Yeah. I
1: mean, and for me as a civilian, like um, I, I think I came into it not even realizing that there was like, you know, a divide, but I was like, oh, like This is a fitness test. I wonder if I can pass it. I guess I can. You know, what does this button do? Why don't you tell me why we do that? You know, if you're genuinely like excited to learn about the profession, I think that just naturally gave me the buy in. Um, And then also practicing what you preach, like, okay, well, she can lift that, then, you know,
2: that's pretty cool. So
0: I like it. No, I agree with both of you guys on that as well. Like, I've heard many people have had as guests on the show said about, you know getting that buy-in especially if you're a civilian coming into the role as well and just getting an understanding of what people are doing from that profession and it's something I can relate to like my own practice as a strength coach the the best buy-in I've ever had from athletes was actually showing up to practice and doing their sport I'm like okay actually John gets it now you know it's not me just sitting on the sidelines preaching going oh well I think it's this you know which is cool and um, I was going to ask you because is like performance professionals you know everyone always gets asked you know what's your philosophy what's your philosophy so I was just curious to know what your individual philosophies are around like nutrition and how it applies to the tactical athlete as well.
2: So I think for me um, one thing that I've really based my message um, in any department that I go talk to or even You know, with athletes is to keep it simple. I think there's so much misinformation that floats around and social media has such an impact on people that my message has really been um, to keep things as simple and make small changes, which can make a lasting long-term big impact. Um, So oftentimes I speak about hydration, which seems so simple and basic, but it's really important in the fire service, especially. Um, I speak of, you know, just basic things like eat more fruits and vegetables because of the great impact it has on your gut health and on your mental health. Um, And then I speak of, you know, trying to eat less processed food, because if you do that, you're going to eat more whole food and you're just going to feel better. Um, And, you know, in terms of longevity, that's where we get, you know, reduced inflammation and all of the other messages that come along with those simple messages will happen if they can Mm -hmm. just embrace small, simple changes. Um, And I really try and just break things down and keep it as least complicated as possible because as soon as someone hears of someone having success with a, a, you know, quote unquote diet, they immediately want to jump on board with it. So I think a lot of what probably Megan and I both do is dispel a lot of misinformation and just try and keep things simple because if you get too much detail, it gets confusing and then you lose people.
1: Yeah. And to piggyback off of that, like firefighters are attracted to extremes. It's not like explosions or like, you know, 15 pounds of weight loss in a week, like it's not cool to them, like it's not good enough. Um, But the problem is, when they get on those types of diets, they commit real hard for two weeks and then they get a bad call and have a bad experience, or something happens at home, or they're going through a divorce. Like they can't adapt this extreme lifestyle to extreme challenges. So when you do those smaller changes, it's kind of like a snowball effect. Like, you know, if you've ever heard of Dave Ramsey in the Snowball effect for finances, it's the same thing for nutrition. It's that, oh, okay, I added an extra eight ounces of water today. Well, maybe tomorrow I can get to 16 more ounces of water. And it slowly rolls over. Um, and and you see bigger changes down the line that they can actually stick to.
0: That's cool. That's cool, guys. And it's interesting to hear both your philosophies around it as well. And yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with the stuff of just like the simplest message gets across, you know, keeping things simple. And I love that analogy, Megan. They tied in with Dave Ramsey of that snowball effect and just how that rolls through. Um, I was going to ask for you guys, what, what do you see, you know, not only your, your roles within firefighting and, and, you know, as a nutritionist, but what, what would you say are the biggest health challenges most firefighters will face over the course of their career?
2: So I think one of the biggest health changes is just initially when you are hired on a department, you're probably in the best shape of your life. And then once you're on, life happens. So things pile on, you get a family, maybe you have a second job, which a lot of firefighters obviously do. Um, The stress of the job, the stress of finances, all of these things start to pile on top of you. And so your own health becomes less of a priority. In fact, even coming to your job, um, becomes a bit of a stress relief from the rest of your life. And so when you're there, um, or when I think oftentimes firefighters just get into a re- really relaxed mode at the station. Um, so staying on top of your own personal health is really, um, I think, a challenge for the for firefighters in general. Um, so uh, whether it's training, whether it's working out, whether it's um, staying on top of your nutrition, um, I think it's just really trying to keep that as a focus. Uh, because eventually, I think you get into your career and you just move further and further along and your health kind of starts to plummet. Um, especially because in a lot of departments, maybe you start out um, and you have a really um, active position. Maybe you're on the squad and you're running calls all day and all night. And as you get more seniority, depending on how your department may run, maybe you end up on an on a, uh, engine assignment or something that maybe isn't as quite active as it was before. So you can really get into a moat, a comfort zone Um, In your health, just becomes less and less of a priority.
1: Yeah, and then from a clinical perspective, you know, we know the bigger things that impact firefighters is cardiovascular disease, cancer. Um, No one wants to talk about it, but being overweight, and it's not because you're too muscular or too swole, but you gain some fat over the years, which is fine, and it happens. Um, And then you know they're just stressed out. So those are a bunch of big factors that you have to try and balance on top of. You know one a career that's stressful on the mind but also on the body
0: mm-hmm. so based on that then what, what do you see the, the common nutritional faults committed by most firefighters then you know with yeah. that added stress response and stuff I, I see you laughing megan
1: you want a list all the time but you know i like to just sit in the corner and and you know watch them <laughs> we have pictures john we, yeah, send we, you pictures. Pictures. <laughs> we can send you pictures <laughs> we actually have a folder that we all c- collaborated on <laughs> uh you know i mean like i've seen ice cream for breakfast um you know yeah. and i'm sure Mo has to, the pizza after the calls you know even though you just had pizza earlier because you also had a different call you know so um they eat, too f- they eat way fast, which is understandable with the, depending on what station you're at. Um, typically very high fat, lots of smoked meats, um, bacon is a favorite food, sweets on the counter. Like here in our county, if you have overtime, you're expected to bring donuts for the rest of the shift. So you won't find a, sh- uh, a station in Montgomery County that doesn't have donuts on the counter. So, and I'm sure Mo can add to this. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think much the same. I I swear you could walk into a department an and it's different people but it's the same behaviors. <laughs> um but same thing. I mean there's cons there's a constant influx of, you know, the citizens are so kind to bring us stuff but they they generally are not bringing fruit baskets. Um so there's a lot of sweets and treats, a lot of processed food if Um, I would say for the most part, um, people are not prepared or or firefighters are not prepared when they come to the station with food. I mean, I pack 24 hours worth of food. I'm always an arm's reach away from my food. So, but that takes a lot of preparation and, you know, fortunately have the knowledge of what to pack. Um, So you see a lot of stopping food on the go, gas station food, pizza, just because they're running calls all day and if they don't have food with them i mean when you get hungry you're ravenous you're going to eat whatever's convenient so it ends up being convenience foods um mm-hmm. so i think that's some of the trends that that um along with obviously what megan said that we see a lot of uh,
0: i mean i can't believe that the, the whole ice cream for breakfast thing that like, how, how do you approach that conversation <laughs> in the first place
1: I, well i'm like, you know, the diet like this is my 24-hour shift day I'm like you knew the dietitian's sitting right here like you know I'm going to use you in my
2: present every presentation I have for the rest <laughs> of my life right like <laughs> I think they take some pride in being an example of what not to do sometimes too <laughs> in fact they often make a play say, Mo take a picture of my plate this is a good one for your for your catalog of photos
1: <laughs> yeah getting tagged on Facebook like look at the bacon wrapped pork line we made today do you approve and it's like you know what, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm not mad. But I,
2: I do think that, um, uh, you know, if you could divide a department, I think there's a third of the department that is off the charts dialed in. Like these mm-hmm. guys are eating exactly. I mean, probably, probably better than Megan and I both you know, together. And then there's a group that doesn't quite know what to do, but we'll kind of, you know, observe, makes good choices. They just don't have the knowledge um, or the direction to go in. And I think that's the ones that Megs and I really try and capitalize on. Mm -hmm. And then there's this third that is probably, it doesn't matter if you make the most amazing healthy meal because it's labeled healthy, they won't touch it. Um, So I think our mission is to really capitalize on those folks that are just kind of out there floating, don't know exactly where to start but want to do the right thing and just don't know, you know, kind of what they should be doing.
0: Nice. Nice. And I was going to ask then on that, because obviously you mentioned about three different r- groups you've got within your department there, Like, how, how do you guys measure your own individual impact on your departments? You know, what were the individual metrics that you guys are typically measured on? I know from a strength coach perspective, it's like, you know, did the athlete get stronger? Did they get faster and stuff like that? But from a dietitian standpoint, you know, it's very much an individual case by case basis, I guess, is it?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, for me as a contractor, like I, I have to justify my position, probably a little more than Mo does. Um, but you know, a lot of times, and, and they hate me for it, I'll bring out the handheld um, Omron body fat percentage mm-hmm. thing. Um, last year, I went to every shift and every station, and we've got three shifts and 40 stations. So it was a very extensive um, campaign. And you know, it was optional. If you want to get it done, you get it done. And a lot of times just having that number done, whether I saw them and talked to them and coached them after, or I just came back a little bit later on, just seeing that number and having the awareness resulted in um, 1.5% on average body fat loss. Um, The ones who did coaching, it was up to 3%. And some people on their own lost up to 8% body fat. Um, so sometimes it's just the awareness and having someone show up and being like, what are you doing today? Are you disappointing me? Or, you know, and, and joking around with them and, and, you know, still making them feel comfortable, obviously. Um, but the same thing too, like for our recruit class, um, you know, I do some of the fitness as well and, um, we see them get stronger. We don't see as many hydration related injuries when we've done this nutrition curriculum that I've worked on. Uh, we don't we haven't had a case of rhabdo in a recruit class since I've started. So some big things, some big things can happen by
2: hiring a dietitian. I think that's an advantage to having um us, you know a Megan on your department because you know for me, obviously i I have a dual function. I, I try and make an impact by um, uh, you know doing what I can within my own department, but I'm not exactly teaching a class or Um, able to do the kind of um, diagnostic stuff that that MEGS is doing, Um, I think you run into issues with your union too on what you can and cannot do and it's different on every department. Um, so I'm hoping moving forward with with our department we can get some sort of you know measurements even for me to kind of go around and weigh everybody. I have gone around and done body fat for the ones that like it or want to have it done, and it's such a cool tool because then it becomes a competition, and then you know you really get more buy-in. So I was mm-hmm. traveling around all the um, stations and doing some body fat testing, and then I would go back and retest them. Um, so when you have those sort of measurements, that's when you can really see significant changes, obviously, versus just kind of preaching you know, nutrition related information, dispelling stuff that you hear, um, educating when I can with either my own plate or just food that comes into the station or things that they're eating. Um, but it's really helpful if you can have those numbers to kind of back the stuff that you're doing. Cool. And, and what I think too, now? sorry, Mo. I was sorry, was gonna I say, think, how,
0: how do you balance out your, <laughs> your logistics side of things as well, just because obviously you're a firefighter and you're doing the nutrition side of things as well.
2: I really think like, uh, like what Meg said, which is the boots on the ground. So I compare it to being in the clubhouse with a professional team. So for me to sit down, um, you know, with my department and teach a class, like I mentioned, probably isn't going to happen. Um, it can be organized, but you know, oftentimes you got people going out on calls. So you're missing some, some of the the crew, whatever it might be. Similarly, if I was to walk into the clubhouse, let's just say with the Mets and decide I was going to teach a class, an hour class on nutrition. Like, that's just not going to happen. These guys have made it. (laughs) And um, you know, they, they, for some of them want to make, it's it's almost identical to the fire station. You got that third, 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 again, with a professional team. Um, So the majority of the educating that I did there and the the majority of the educating that I do in the fire station is, right in front of me. So if they're making a protein shake or they're making a smoothie or they're cooking dinner, maybe I can suggest they swap out the oil that they're using instead of using, I don't know, canola oil. Maybe we can use avocado oil instead. Or if they're making a smoothie and they're adding protein powder to it and then they're adding maybe some syrups or some different kind of sweets and things, I can suggest alternative things and educate along the way. Um, So I feel like being a presence, um, whether it's in my department or whether I go out to other departments, it's really just being there and observing and kind of seeing how things function and then making those interventions when you can. Um, And I think that that's more effective and has more of an impact than even sitting through necessarily an hour class or just another part of their day or another routine kind of thing that they do. Um, so I would agree with Megs. I think the most impact can be made when you're right there to kind of just talk and rub elbows and and really just interact with them and get to know them.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that sounds awesome. Just because like you both say, it's just you're building that rapport, and it's very much you know quickly applicable. Rather than someone sitting in in a seminar and like you said, it'll be that division throughout the group. Some will be really into it. I was like, okay, tick the box and you know move on. So it's exactly. interesting. I was going to ask you both. Obviously, you've got very different positions within the the fire service as well but what would you say the the biggest you know challenges you've faced individually with you know trying to implement more of the diet and you know nutritional side of things within the fire service Um,
1: for me i think it's it depends socially like on the social support um you know if you're at a shift that there's a guy he's vegan and he's the guy who cooks you're going to eat healthier options you're going to eat the plant-based options you'll try it because everybody else is on board but if you're at the shift where the chef is constantly doing bacon wraps who knows what that's what you're gonna eat and if you're at a stressful station you're gonna eat a lot of that because you're stressed out and tired and it's gonna be a lot harder to be the guy the girl who's bringing the tupperware and eating that instead of eating with the group Mm -hmm. um so i think that's one of the bigger challenges most firefighters face um you know if
2: their shift's not on board it's going to be a lot harder I would agree with that, and I think it's so dependent on, on not only the chef but the station and who the chef is. Um, I know for me, so like I said, I've been in the fire service for over twenty years, mm-hmm. and I, I, through that whole time, I've been a dietitian. And I've at the beginning, I felt um, you know it was really important that I ate what everybody else was eating, and um, because I was new, um, mm-hmm. so I would eat things I wouldn't typically eat. Although as I got more time on, I started to bring my own food. So eating is a is a really big part of the culture um in the fire service and so being a part of that is important so what i've found is that if i do eat a little bit differently than everyone else sometimes i bring my own food i still eat at the time that they're eating so that i can still be a part of what they're doing um, and I do think it's a big challenge based on who the chef is. And so if you have someone who's new, you they're a little bit more moldable and you can help them to kind of embrace some of the healthier um, options or healthier recipes. I know Megan has got some really great, she got a cookbook where it breaks down portion sizes, which is over the top, a hurdle for some new cooks to do, which is portioning things out for a large group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of resource is really helpful. Um, but I think the biggest challenge is, is like, Meg said, it's just the culture of whatever station you're at and who's doing the cooking and are they on board with being healthy? Are they in, which third are they in?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and to add on that, like the the cookbook that I worked on, I I also teach interns part time. So they helped me with this and it's um, dinners that are healthy-ish. So like one of the recipes that's the favorite is a Cajun chicken pasta. And yes, there's a little bit of cream cheese in there to make it more of a cream-based sauce. But you know it's using whole grain pasta, there's plenty of protein in it that we add in through chicken and like a chicken sausage. Um, you know, it's uh, there's it's broken out in shifts of six, ten, and 14. Um, so if you have a smaller shift, you know how much to buy, or if you have a bigger shift, you know how much to buy five to six dollars ahead. So it's in the budget, so it's like really broken down and it's a free resource. So I'm happy to send that to you, John, if you want to put it in the show notes
0: that'd be awesome that'd be awesome Megan
1: it, it's an awesome tool cool yeah and I think I have 10 more coming because I know 12 because I had 12 interns this year so eventually it'll be updated there'll be I think there's 18 now so there'll be 30 coming soon
0: cool that's awesome that you've got some interns coming in for you as well Megan do they come from like one college close by or do they write to you individually you know and come in or is it part of their like sort of semester credit curriculum
1: So I, part-time, I teach for University of Maryland College Park, and um, so I actually help run that program for them, Uh, and I used to just take like two a year or so, and they'd come for three weeks or however many weeks they had, just to kind of see, because Mo and I are on the very fringe of dietetics, (laughs) like, you know, if you're a dietitian, you go into clinical, you go to a long-term care, uh, or, you know, you go into food service, and not very fun. I mean, maybe for people who really like it, but you know, when you get to get on like a fire truck, and then take the fire truck to the grocery store, and then you come back and you get to hang out with everybody, and you get to cook and show them that healthy eating can be like, can taste good. That's like the coolest thing ever. So it's really nice to show that to some, you know, newer kids in the uh, in the field.
0: That's cool. And I mean, how, how long do you have your interns for? Is it for like a 12 week window? Do you get them or do you get them for a longer period?
1: So, well, the current class, so when you're in a dietetic internship, it's somewhere usually between like seven and nine months, I think you spend when, so when I have the, cl- the whole class, I teach them for seven and nine months. But when mm-hmm. I actually have them for a part of their rotation, it's like three weeks. They have to spend most of their time in clinical and food service because that's just a part of like, so you get your bachelor's degree you do your internship and then, or you do a master's at some point. Um, but, you know, becoming a dietitian takes quite a long process of schooling. You know, we, we didn't just get our degree, you know, mm-hmm. or get a little paper online that says we can do nutrition. Like it's, it's pretty intense.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely, well, that sounds awesome. Uh, I was gonna ask you Mo, cause you, you mentioned it, uh, at the start a little bit about, you know, being in the fire service and like trying to create change from within what what's that challenge been like you know dealing with peer to peer because you know we we all know like you know when you try and talk to friends and family about nutrition or exercise stuff you're always like you're blowing off a little bit whereas you know with people who may not be as closely connected to you your message carries a bit more weight I'd say
2: I would, yes, I will definitely agree with that. I think that, um, you know, it's almost like preaching it to your family, Mm -hmm. um, which I've had a little rush of lately with my own family, people having some issues and me trying to like, you know, fix their problems for them nutritionally. And maybe they're just not at that point of being willing or ready to receive the information. So I think it's very similar at the fire station. You know, there has to be that open openness and willingness and readiness to receive information. So a lot of what I do in my own department is, through example. So I try and prep all my own food, or if I'm at my station, then I will cook some, some meals too. Um, especially because I'm on, uh, I'm the engine operator. So that is typically the spot that does the cooking. Um, mm-hmm. so I can cook things and, and, you know, sneak things in or hide things in. And then they'll ask questions about it. I get a lot of people coming through, a lot of my peers coming to me with questions, which is really nice. I'm not always in front of a group, often off to the side. And it might be about some sort of personal nutrition in, uh, issue that they're having it might be trying to lose weight some of them are trying to gain weight Um, so I'm fortunate to kind of be right there and I can catch shifts coming on and off too so not only my own shift but other shifts as they come on and off may ask questions if they change up their training or you know debunking a lot of misinformation that they may have Um, so I feel really fortunate the other thing that I do though is I also teach at um, two local academies so a little bit different than Megan's department where she has recruits that are all gonna be working for her department. This is more of a conglomeration of other departments that all train in one facility, and then those recruits go off and work in different departments. So the cool part about that is that once those recruits leave both police and fire academies, they go off to area departments and then once they're on that department, if they're looking for a dietitian or they're looking for a strength and conditioning coach or a physical therapist or whatever it might be, because I've put together a program that incorporates all of those things, we have they have those resources to call upon. So I've been invited to a lot of departments to speak on nutrition um, outside of my own, just based on that um, you know initial contact that I have with them. I teach eight weeks of nutrition in both the police and the fire academies locally here, and and then, like I said, they branch off to a lot of different departments in Michigan. And then often I'm called back, which is really cool.
0: That's that's awesome. That's awesome. And I mean, working outside in like, you know, different departments, do you see any major changes or major differences between, say, like, you know, police and fire uh, services with regards to their uptake on like, you know, the nutrition information that was roughly about the same?
2: I think I personally feel it's it's very similar. I think both jobs are are stressful. Both jobs deal with shift work. Both you know professions are sleep deprived. Both of them deal with mental health issues. Um, so I feel like my message is very similar for both of them. Just teaching basics on food prep, how to pack your lunch. If you're a police officer, obviously you spend your whole time just about in your patrol car. So how mm-hmm. do you pack for that? Um, what kinds of foods do you bring when you're obviously when you're a firefighter? You're out and about a lot too, so you've got to be prepared at all times. And hydration is a big problem for both um, professions as well, with the equipment that we wear and the elements that we're dealing with. Um, so I feel like the message is very similar for both.
0: And I was going to say, like obviously, you guys are doing some fantastic work within the the fire service within your own individual counties. How do you see you know the role of the dietitian embedded within the fire service developing over the next five to ten years?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that we see, you know, especially with bringing interns in, I'm trying to show them, you know, you can do so much more than just, you know, clinical food service, whatever. Um, But it takes a special fit for a fire department, as we mentioned with the report. You know, if you bring, you know, the the skinny vegan runner in and she's trying to make everybody vegan and they spend four hours chopping vegetables, you know, it's just not going to work. And that's Mm -hmm. where some departments get burned is they don't really think, oh, I should probably look for a sports dietitian relative to you know, maybe the clinical dietitian who's more used to those nine-to-fivers, whereas the sports nutritionist or dietitian is used to weird schedules and um, lack of sleep and traveling and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that too. I think you've got to find the right fit, but I do think there's going to be a, a bigger presence, a greater presence of dietitians in tactical um, professions, period. Because I think that departments are learning that they need to invest in their number one piece of equipment, which is their employee. And if we can make these changes and we can, you know, embrace healthier uh, mental and physical lifestyles, that that creates longevity and, it, and decreases in sick time use and, you know, long-term health care costs, all those sorts of things. Um, and I think that a lot of dietitians now are similar to Megan. They're combining Uh, careers. Mm -hmm. So now you've got maybe a strength and conditioning coach and you've got a dietitian, which is a great package. Um, I know in professional sports, they are combining being, you know, the culinary aspect along with being a dietitian. Um, So I think dietitians like Megan and I, when we're out and about and we're teaching and we're trying to help departments find other resources, I know the message that I deliver is look for a sports dietitian because at least what I've found is that they're very similar firefighters should be training should be fueling should be recovering just like professional athletes are like I always say the difference between you know a baseball players they know their game is at seven o'clock and they've got six hours prior to that to hydrate eat get massages CPT you know do a little warm-up strength conditioning whatever it might be before game time and then after they've got a whole slew of folks that are taking care of them too a firefighter doesn't have that we have to bring all of those resources to ourselves and so you know our event could be at 8 a.m when we come on shift well you were, if you were out the night before and you slept in and you did not even take a sip of water before you entered the fire station you are already at a huge disadvantage not only for your own health but for your hydration for your recovery you know you just cascaded this series of events that is working against you so I just think that dietitians are a great uh, resource and a great person to be working in departments to deliver these messages and take care of the employees or help take care of the employees
0: oh that's cool i wholeheartedly agree and i think that whole thing around the tactical athlete it, whether they be you know military police fire uh, emt whatever I, th- I can see that growing more and more of just that performance team around them to look after them through the whole course of their career from recruit to you know ending up retiring from that profession as well and that'll be great to see um I, I really want to touch on with both of you ladies is just uh, you first came across my radar because I saw some of the stuff with uh, Annette Zapp, who's obviously been on this uh, podcast as well with the, the Firefighter Wellness Pros initiative. So could you just talk to me a little bit about how you guys both came connected with Annette and, you know, the, the whole initiative around uh, firefighter wellness professionals.
1: Yeah, I mean, we all met through the internet, so that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's why we meet people during the middle of a pandemic, right? Um,
2: <laughs> no, I think we've we actually all never all met in person. Yeah,
1: I know. It's super, super creepy, I guess, if you really think about it. But I, I, this I
0: uh, this podcast is testament to meeting people through a pandemic.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've we've kind of. Um, we we met through a couple different tactical groups and doing presentations through those and Annette kind of really is the one who brought us all together and said we need a group we need a group of people who work with firefighters who actually know what they're talking about who have the rapport who are already in the department and are already doing the work um because there's a lot of people who want to get into it and we want mm-hmm. to support those people but you know that doesn't help that that may not help us right now Um, Because, you know, as many people know, firefighter or fire departments are political, Um, you know, you've got the unions, you've got the the buy in of the participants and those kinds of things. And it can, it helps to have other people who've been through it in other departments and, and show you,
2: oh, have you thought of it this way? Can you do it that way? Like that, that's been really helpful so far. Yeah, it's been a really nice collaboration, and um, Annette has really been the driving force behind it. She's such a dynamic personality, and she is um, also really well-known in the community, too, in the mm-hmm. fire service. Um, so she just knows so many people, and, I mean, you can see why her her personality is just very attractive to anybody. Um, but also, it's nice to have a group of credentialed professionals, because I think there's just so many folks out there that like to kind of self Term themselves to be professionals. Um, so this is a group, and we've been really um, kind of strict with who who's able to join, based on um, kind of the work that they do and also their credentials. We want to make sure that people are qualified um, because we do a lot of collaborating and a lot of information sharing, and it's just a really great resource for for anybody that's able to be in the group.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome that this has come together, and you guys are putting out this great information. Like I say I just came across some of the stuff on YouTube. And if anyone uh, listening wants to check it out, I'd highly recommend. I'll probably put the links into our show notes as well, because there's just some great content there as well. Um, obviously, Mo, Megan, I always ask everyone who comes on the show just for what they're engaged in for their own you know, continual development as well. So on that, uh, can we kick off with you, Mo, first? Could you give me a book, an app, or website recommendation that you have personally found useful for your own development or your own education?
2: Sure, so um, I am gonna share um, one of my favorite sports dietitians and the reason that I um, kind of follow her and really have um, kind of submerged myself in her website and information is because she is so practical. And her name is Angie Ash and she is uh, under Elite, E-L-E-A-T, Nutrition. And she started out small. Um, Her husband is a professional baseball player. Um, but she has she 's such a great resource and she 's she 's very current and she 's very active on not only instagram but facebook and probably other things that i 'm not even active on um, but she 's such a great down to earth resource um, and like i said current so she post she started posting just these 60 second videos. I don't even know how she crammed so much information into 60 seconds, but she does. Um, she posts infographics. She posts, um, you know, just like I said, really current information and I've also Um, become friends with her to where I've been able to reach out to her if I need information on whatever. But she's also very research-based. So she's probably the one that I recommend most when people are saying, where can I start? What can I look at? Um, Where should I go for information? I direct them to her because she's just, um, like I said, she's a great resource.
0: What about yourself, Megan? Uh,
1: Yeah, so professionally, um, the TSEC, you know, NSCA, website has been really helpful. The, uh, you know, the TSAC report has been helpful for me, Um, you know, in terms of continuing ed, I'm hoping to get the CSCS this year, that's gonna be my big thing. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, for Pot, like if you're just a firefighter who wants to know more and understand more, you know, I like precision nutrition because I think they break it down really well. Um, And they have a lot of infographics and stuff that are very like, you know, while it's not firefighter specific, it's you don't have a lot of time you don't have a lot of energy like how do we make this work
0: yeah i mean it's it's one course i've started to look at as well i've got a couple of friends within coaching circles who have done it and they've just raved about the precision nutrition course so yeah it's something i'll definitely check out that's cool
1: yeah it does a good job like at, at what mo and i were talking about like small behavior changes like and, and taking us from, you know, as professionals, we're really excited about this stuff. And we're super, we can be extreme too. And our expectations can get a little more extreme sometimes. So it, it really humbles you. <laughs> you know, it's not that easy to eat your fruits and vegetables sometimes. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sometimes it's just a case of ice cream for breakfast, you know, that's it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, <laughs> something you know to do. That's, that's stress eating at its best, I think. <laughs>
1: yeah. We're spite eating.
0: I haven't really figured it out yet. <laughs> no. Megan, Mo, it's, it's been awesome, you know, getting a chance to sit down and chat with uh, both of you. I know you both got busy schedules now as well. Um, anyone listening to this is going to have some great takeaways from it. If anyone wants to get in touch with you or find out a bit more information, you know, how can they do that?
2: So for me, I'm on Facebook and also on Instagram. I think that's where I've limited my social media presence to. But, um, and it's just my name, Maureen Stockline with an RD after it. Um, if, and you feel free to reach out on either one of those methods with me.
1: Cool. Yep, and then I'm um, Rescue RD on Facebook and Instagram. I used to run the MCFRS Nutrition Instagram, but I'm kind of pushing more to my own personal. Mm-hmm. um so rescue rd um and then my personal email you know i've been doing a little bit of consulting with recruit classes and stuff over zoom um and that's megan lautz l-a-u-t-z at gmail
0: sweet that's fine. i'll make sure i pop all of that into our show notes Liz, as, as well as your resources you guys mentioned as well um once again thank you so much guys it's been really informative and really nice to actually sit down and chat with you both
2: Thank, thank you,
0: John. You. It was really nice to meet you, too. No problem. Yes. Take care, ladies. Thanks. Thanks. Hi, guys. Really hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Monarchy and Performance Podcast. I just wanted to say thank you for your continued support to the show. We're slowly growing each week and getting more and more downloads, which is truly incredible for such a niche-specific podcast. The continued support in us can ask you to do me a simple favor. First of all, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're using so you can receive each new episode as soon as it's released. Secondly, if you found something educational, if it made you see a different perspective, or if you took something away from this podcast that made you better, please leave us a review, as it means a lot to me, and please share the show. This will help us to grow the show and really get this information out to a lot more people.